Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C. Joined this week by both my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, here to recap what took place at Crown Jewel and uh, Raw this past Monday. Some noteworthy things taking place on Raw. Uh, really nothing AEW related. We uh, will get fully into AEW next week when we preview full year. And then with this being 10 years since the debut of The Shield, which just feels insane at this point, we're going to talk a little bit about them and what's happened with both all three of them, excuse me, since they've debuted on the mainstream in WWE and now with John Moxley being in AEW. So we will have all of that to talk about and look forward to. Uh, really quick, though, AEW-related. Cam, I know you missed it last week. You know you're happy about Jeff Jarrett being in AEW, right? I mean, ecstatic that he got booked right into, like, a upper mid-card feud and probably going to wrestle Sting like it's fucking 1990 and it's, you know, Tony Khan is fully on the snow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've got to have Jarrett and Sting wrestle across three different wrestling promotions across, what's this now, WCW would have been like 99, 2000, and then TNA's mid-2000s, maybe a little later, and now, yeah, now you've got uh, it happening here in AEW. So, uh, good good for them. Way to go, Tony Khan. Uh, all right, but let's talk about uh, some of the happenings took place at Crown Jewel, and I think one thing that I really want to go out there, or the first thing I want to say is, you know, I know he got hurt and he's going to be gone and out for a while, but I am continue to be thoroughly impressed by Logan Paul in the ring. I mean, he had a buckshot lariat that looked almost as good, if not better than Adam pages. I think, I think Paul's flip was better. Uh, I think pages lariat was better, but I think of course, part of the problem with Paul's lariat was that Roman Reigns wasn't in the middle of the ring. He was kind of towards the end of it. Uh, but man, this guy, you know, even the, the frog splash off the top onto the table with him doing the uh, the video with it too, I thought was cool. And this guy, if he puts, you know, he's gonna be out with his ACL injury now. I think. I mean, his it's not like his knee got torn up on that buckshot lariat, uh, so he's gonna be out for a while. But if he comes back and puts this, this effort into, you know, what he's doing and continues to improve and maybe becomes somewhat of a full timer, maybe not on Raw every week, but more than just a couple matches uh, a year. I think the WWE might have something decent and something to look forward to and something to book strongly with Logan Paul going forward. Uh, Cam, I'll throw it over to you first. What are your thoughts? I think Logan Paul has surpassed, well, I think he already did, but he's officially surpassed any celebrity or cross promotion person that has come into professional wrestling ever. And I think the guy just gets it. And it's something about it. It doesn't obviously, you know, he's been training with Sean and stuff like that. And I'm sure him and Roman talked about, talked about some stuff before the match or leading up to the build and everything. But I think this guy just kind of gets it. Like his brother cut a shitty promo like the day before with terrible promo. But um, I mean, I think he just kind of gets it. And if he's out for, I mean, if it's ACL and MCL, we're talking like eight months to a year, right? You know, so that, I mean, that's a long time, but uh, maybe that maybe makes him rethink like being in the WWE. I mean, he could still do his podcast and stuff like that while having rehabbing injury. But I think that the WWE kind of has something and that this guy winning a title isn't out of the realm of possibility. 
Yeah, I would definitely uh, agree. And obviously, it's like you said, if it's a complete knee tear up, you're looking at, like you said, eight months minimum, probably. I definitely agree. But yeah, I mean, he's a personality. He's, you know, he said he's got Instagram followers and he's got his podcast. Uh, and I think he's somebody that, you know, when the he first came in, I think a lot of wrestling fans treated him just like every other celebrity. They go, oh, you know, here we go, another celebrity. And yet in all of his matches so far, he continues to get more and more impressive. And, you know, he went in there with Roman Reigns and hung with Roman Reigns. So I would probably agree with you that he's definitely surpassed, I think, any celebrity that's ever taken, you know, their foot to the pro wrestling door. Uh, what about you, Chairman? What do you think? I didn't watch the event, but I did see the clip of the Buckshot Lariat. And the matches I have seen him perform in, I mean, he gives it his all. I mean, I'm not a real big fan of his personality per se, but uh, clearly he can wrestle. And I think, you know, there's going to be some scrambling now because I'm sure there was plans for him to probably do something at WrestleMania. He might have been possibly a Royal Rumble participant possibly as well. So, obviously, that's off the table if you're looking at knee surgery. You know, like you guys said, eight months, 12 months. I mean, that's the norm anymore, you know. So, you know, maybe SummerSlam, you know, he get another appearance with Logan Paul if everything checks out by then. If, But, uh, yeah, he definitely will be out for a while. And the Tribal Chief continues on as champion. Yeah, and as far as just the results overall from Crown Jewel, if so um, – just going through them real quick, we had, uh, obviously, Roman Reigns retain the Universal WWE title. Um, we had Brock Lesnar beat Lashley with the uh, 96 Survivor Series, Bret Hart Austin finish. We want to go further back, 92 Mania, Bret Hart Piper. Um, you had uh, Asuka and Alexa lose the women's tag titles, which I thought would be a precursor to Bailey winning the Raw Women's title, and that didn't happen with Bianca retaining in the last Women's Standing match. And you had Drew McIntyre beat Karrion Cross in a cage match um, to get his win back from the previous show. Uh, so just like, so just so if you missed last week's show, I mean we all picked Karrion Cross to win. We all picked Alaska, Alexa and Asuka to win. And two of us, uh, Cam and I, picked Lashley to win. Chairman picked Brock to win. So, as you can see, we were all thinking the opposite direction in all three of those matches. So, uh, I'll pull this, pose this question to you, Chairman, first. Which one of those three matches had the most surprising result to you? Um, You know, I kind of think I would almost say the Karrion Cross Drew McIntyre one. Like, the flip-floppy women's championship matches, like, I didn't want to see it. It happened, whatever. I mean, those titles were basically worthless still. Sorry, Triple H, but you're not selling me on those titles. But, um, you know, I thought Kerry Cross, you know, we, we talked about this last week in the previous show, that, you know, the loss wouldn't hurt Drew, and Kerry Cross, you know, could build some momentum up. So you figure they're probably going to have a third match at some point, or... I mean, I really don't know what's next for these guys. It's kind of, was it the war game stipulation in Survivor Series coming up? It's really hard to really pinpoint like single feuds right now. I mean, there might be some single matches in Survivor Series, but the emphasis is on war games. So I kind of wonder if we're going to have all, you know, teams, you know. So I don't know what's going to happen with Drew and Kyrian, but I really thought Kyrian would have won here. So some momentum is definitely going to be lost here. But he can still get it back. It just kind of depends on how they proceed with things going forward. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I think for me, it's probably, I didn't mention this match in the three matches I mentioned, the Bailey and Bianca match, but I guess because I'm the only one that picked Bailey, I just, I, I'm, we talked about this, I think the last few weeks, just the booking of damage control just continues to be so puzzling to me where I go, okay, you know, okay, Dakota Kai and uh, EO Sky win the women's tag titles match tag titles back excuse me all right that's gotta mean bailey's winning and it makes the most sense if they have the titles and then bianca says does the promo on raw i say and this is war and they want to do war games okay then it makes sense but like bianca's beaten bailey so many times at this point it's like what is even the point of her wanting a war games match and i just don't understand what they're doing here and as we saw uh, the setup for it last night it's going to be bailey eo um, Dakota Kai, Nikki Cross, and then one other person on the heel side. And then right now the face side is just Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and uh, Asuka. The Asuka-Eo Sky exchange last night was pro- was hilarious. Uh, you got to figure Candice LeRae is probably gets added to that uh, t- face team as well. But, yeah, uh, the Eo and Asuka yelling at each other last night on Raw was just funny. And then, you know, Eo just kind of going bitch at the end of it was the perfect like you know okay they're going at it going at it up then you gotta get that little bit of like the sarcasm of the modern wwe or women's just women's promo in general so i guess you know like i said i didn't originally pose that question in the first question to chairman but yeah that would be my pick i guess double pick was just the bailey loss and then the eo and dakota win uh what about you cam i mean i can make an argument for a lot of them i mean i think Kieran can get his back, his win back, um, or something along those lines to gain some momentum back after the loss to Drew. I mean, I gotta go with Lashley and Brock Lesnar. I mean, Brock is part time. He's, I mean, are they just gonna continue this feud and they'll have another match at War Games? Like, I don't know what the point was of having Brock come back. I think that she, or excuse me, that Bobby Lashley's been, you know, having a great run. He dropped the title of Seth. His promos leading up with Brock have been really good, and then just have him lose in a god-awful match. I mean, terrible. I mean, Brock's not the best. We know that. He needs good opponents, and I guess Lashley does too. But it wasn't a good big man match. It was just, I don't know, sloppy in my opinion. Um, But, yeah, that's definitely the shocker. I mean, Lashley could have got built back up after losing to Seth, but now he's kind of on, like, a losing streak. Yeah, uh, like you said, we talked about Lashley's definitely having these last year, two years of his career have been just uh, such a great resurgence. And now it seems like they're trying to turn him heel or maybe not. I don't know. Um, But yeah, apparently the rumor was they wanted to do another match at the day one pay-per-view. And of course that got canceled. So now it's like, do you do that Survivor Series? Do you do it at Rumble? Do you hang out, hang off until WrestleMania? I don't know if you can hang off that long with this feud. Um, and like you said, we don't know what exactly the emphasis is going to be for Survivor Series of it being war games. We know there's going to be two war games matches, but is Triple H going to go back to doing traditional four on four or five on five full regular Survivor Series matches? You got to throw these other guys in here, you know, a mixture of Raw and SmackDown guys or just all SmackDown, maybe one SmackDown match, one Raw match, you know, and a couple singles matches. It's it's fun to have Survivor Series actually be interesting again and not the same old okay well here we go raw versus smackdown who's going to be the captain they don't get along that kind of crap so it's just a nice to kind of have uh have something like that going forward and then on raw this past monday we had a couple of newsworthy things the biggest thing i think being that austin theory cashes in his money in the bank briefcase against seth rollins for the united states championship 
and loses. And the briefcase is gone. You know, we all questioned it the second they put it on him. And I think this is the biggest, you know, I almost wonder if this is Triple H going, you know, when Vince was booking his NXT guys like shit, this is Triple H going, hey, guess what? Uh, guess what, Dad? I got one more up on you here by taking the briefcase off your boy. And I kind of, I think, for the longest time, I think for a while now, this pretty much kills anything Austin Theory related. I mean, we've talked enough about it on the show how he's a guy, you know, he's still young. He's 23, 24. He's got room for improvement. Uh, I'm not ready to go ahead and say he's like never going to show any improvement, but this definitely sends him on a setback for a little bit. And we all agreed that, you know, he shouldn't have won the briefcase. It was too early. Uh, and I'm interested. I got to say, at least I'm interested now to see where his character goes as far as doing this. But I think right now, I mean, I was looking back at some of the money in the bank people in recent years. It's like, I think he's got to be considered the worst money in the bank cash in of all time, considering we've got him cashing in uh, for the U.S. title and not a world title. You have him losing. You know, I think it comes down to like him and then Corbin, who lost to uh, Jinder and then probably John Cena's one week cash in. But I think uh, theory Definitely takes the cake as far as being the worst money in the bank cash in now of all time. Uh, what do you think, Cam? I mean, as far as booking, I mean, uh, Damian Sandow against John Cena. Oh, yeah, guy, I forgot about him. That's right. I mean, everyone was so hot that they thought they were really going to switch the title. Sandow was on a run, and they just had Cena beat him, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, what a missed opportunity in like the, in like a 20 minute match after Cena got his ass kicked on raw if i'm not mistaken now right yeah i believe so he came down challenged him i can't remember who Cena was facing earlier in the match but yeah they had a great match sandow was really hot at the time it was one of those things where it's like hey vince you need to make more people make more stars this is a perfect opportunity he's like nah not good <clears throat> um but this to me feels more like a triple h didn't want Austin Theory having that um, having the money in the bank briefcase because so this is just a way to get him off him there's no way in hell he's going to challenge Roman there was just like no way like I mean I could think of other people in the WWE history that are like on his level um, one I won't say his name but like anybody like Sin Cara any of those guys or, or whoever that you want to name a ricochet challenging Roman Reigns or someone like that has more of a viable Okay, I can see Ricochet beating Roman Reigns. <clears throat> Hell, I can see Dominic Mysterio with the help of Judgment Day beating Roman Reigns before I could see Austin Theory beating John Cena or Roman Reigns. But now that's the rumor that Cena's going to come back and face Theory and what put Theory over at WrestleMania. People will boo fucking Theory out of the building if he beats John Cena at WrestleMania. If they do that match and Cena puts him over or anything like that, people will fucking hate theory even more than we already do uh but yeah i guess we'll say the worst cash in because he's just a jerk off now and vince is gone and <clears throat> his little pet project is over and triple h kind of has to keep him around because he's in cahoots with you know a different different angles of the booking so i think this is a way of being like all right dude like maybe send you back to nxt and you could be the champion down there or something 
Yeah, and like I said, the guy's 23, 24 years old. Nobody's ready to write him off yet. I mean, I thought he was his best, and we talked about it all the time when he was on NXT as the, with the way with Gargano and Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell as, like, the dumb jock character. Like, I mean, obviously, you can't really go back to that now with how he was originally presented, but that was when he was at his best, and Vince, you know, for some reason, just saw this young guy who he thought could be his next big thing and tried to push it way too early when it was never a guy, any part, any portion of the crowd was ready to get behind and try to go yeah okay we're gonna anoint him as our as our number one guy like nobody was ready for that it was not anything anybody was ready for and you gotta slowly build something like that up i mean like when you when orton did it young you saw the potential when brock lesnar did it young you saw the potential when the rock did it young you saw the potential but nobody ever saw any kind of potential like that in theory and now he's paying for it. i mean i like the idea I can't remember if we talked about it last week or a couple weeks ago. There was the idea floated out there that Theory was going to hold on to the briefcase for a full year, and it was going to get to the point where it was the money in the bank pay-per-view, and it'd be okay. You know, you got like, hey, got an hour left to try to cash this in. What the hell are you going to do? Like, that would have been much better than for him than what they ended up doing. Uh, Chairman, I know you're more than happy with what ended up happening on Raw this past Monday. Absolutely. I can't stand Theory. He gets stupid duck lips, and Tyler Breeze called, and he wants his gimmick back. He's the OG of the selfies. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm so glad this guy failed. And it, First off, why are you cashing in a Money in the Bank contract on a mid-card title, let alone an open challenge? Like Seth Rollins, not once but twice on Raw, pretty much came out for an open challenge. And you cash in a Money in the Bank briefcase? Like, what? And then, like, you're not going after the biggest prize in the game? Like, you would have been better off going to NXT and going after Braun Breaker for his title. And hell, as far as I'm concerned, Theory can go to NXT and stay there and rot away longer than Aaliyah did when she was down there. Like, I don't want to see his duck face ever again. And it, the whole thing is just stupid. Honestly, if Triple H wanted to get the briefcase off him, he should have just headed what freaking they did to Ken Candy all them years ago and have someone just, you know, edge beat him. Just have someone do that. Like, or uh, when Miz beat Blotus. I mean... You don't have to waste a cash in on a screw up guy you should never put on in the first place. We talked about months ago and how Sami Zayn should have been the guy holding the briefcase, and that would have been a way better storyline. Hell, anybody would be a better. Dexter Loomis and his non charismatic ass would have been a better choice. Granted, he wasn't around at the time, but you know he could have like beat Theory and had the briefcase and dropped pictures of it, and I don't know whatever. But uh, Seth Rollins wins. No one's really sure where he stands on the alignment nowadays. Like, is he, like, mid, or is he, like, full? I don't think he's full heel anymore. I don't know if he's full face yet. And then people are confused with Lashley because of what he did. Like, he beat up Rollins, left him for dead, but then he comes back and beats up Theory. So we got a bunch of wrestlers right now. We're not really sure what their alignment is. And, you know, I'm fine with that. Let the crowd decide, honestly. But, uh, yeah, it was just... And then I guess a lot of people were trashing on the crowd from last night. So it was just kind of a weird time and place for a potential cash-in to happen. But I guess it was after a event, a shitty event, just because of reasons. But, um, yeah, this this is just weird. But um, back to what you guys were talking about before, Damian Sandow, though. I'm like, I still remember that. And uh, Damian Sandow was so hot at the time, like super over. Everybody loved that guy. I thought it was freaking awesome. And I remember how pissed I was when seeing a beat him, like – that was like right, the first year I got back into wrestling, and I was so so pissed. 
like unbelievably pissed. And then that was kind of what my hatred for Cena, I think, really fired up was when that happened. So, yeah, the old Money in the Bank briefcase is just, uh, they are gone again until next year. Yeah, and we'll see if Triple H does what he, maybe there's rumors that he might have like a women's one-on-one night and a men's one-on-one night, another night of WrestleMania, and not actually do it as a premium live event, which I'd be totally okay with. Just put it back on WrestleMania to get more people on the card. No issues there whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, listen, now we don't have to worry about that gimmick at all for another, well, maybe if it's WrestleMania, was it uh, December, January, February, March, four or five months, and then... If it's the pay-per-view, we don't got to wait till next summer, so we're good there. Um, we had Mia Yim come back last night, Mia Yim, excuse me, and join up with the OC to be the kind of Rhea Ripley, uh, you know, to challenge her, to stop her from doing all the stuff she's been doing in the feud between the OC and the Judgment Day. Uh, I saw that Rhea Ripley has a shirt out now. Uh, I says, I'm your mommy on it. So I'm sure Dominic Mysterio wears that every night when he goes to bed. Uh, so, and we also had a little bit of a curious, and I don't say curious, but when Bianca was walking to the ring last night uh, for her promo, her and Rhea Ripley crossed champs or crossed paths, excuse me. And Rhea said champ. And then Bianca nodded at her and they walked away. And I'm wondering if that's sort of like a small tease that maybe, Rhea can do more than just get physically involved on the outside and actually go out there and have an actual match. And we could be looking at once this damage control, damage control, Bailey, damage control, Bianca, Alexa, Asuka program ends. Maybe we finally get Rhea Ripley and Bianca one-on-one. I'm also curious if that means maybe Rhea gets put in the War Games match in the last two spots, assuming Candice LeRae gets another spot on the women's side, go to Mia Yim and Rhea Ripley, which I think would make the most logical sense, especially if Becky isn't ready to return. And then you wouldn't want to throw Charlotte in there for something like that. I think if Becky's not involved, uh, obviously, you know, you have the name Sasha and Naomi floating around after they were seen in the uh, intro package for the Crown Jewel show, even though some people are saying they just might have used an old one instead of the more recent one. But uh, I think you know, seeing uh, Bria and Bianca interact like that, I mean, their ending sequence to the Rumble that one year was good. I think it's a fresh feud on top of the women's division. And I think, Chairman, it's something you've been kind of talking about and championing now for a little bit, right? Absolutely. We've all been waiting for it. And it's pretty much the only logical reason why Bailey has not defeated Bianca for the title is because there's somebody else in line. And you can go and call a Becky Lynch or a Charlotte Flair, but I think it's Rhea Ripley. I think her work of Judgment Day has been fantastic. You know, you touched on the past that Bianca and Rhea have had. They, I think if I remember right, they were promoted to the main roster around the same time too. So, like, you know, we've always compared the four horsewomen kind of. I almost like to compare Bianca and Rhea to an extent, you know, and kind of see how their paths go. So... We had the tease, and I think, yeah, there's some war games business with Judgment Day, and I know Bianca still got some unfinished business with damage control, which are pretty much damaged at this point. Um, so I think we might see a Rhea Ripley Royal Rumble victory, which could go to Mania if we're going to kind of tease this all the way to that point. And honestly, I could see that happening, so... Let's just, uh, let's ride. All right. What do you think, Cam? Yeah, I mean, I think Rhea has spent her time, you know, 
being like the almost leader or valet, I guess, if you want a traditional for Judgment Day. I think if you, I mean, I don't see them taking the title off Bianca for a while until until Becky's ready or something. But if you put the title on on Rhea and had her like lead Judgment Day as the only champion, that would be one do great for like the women audience and things like that. <clears throat> And two, finally get someone in the Judgment Day with a fucking strap to carry around because when you have like four or five people in a group and none of them are carrying belts, they just look like a bunch of losers. And they were doing that for a while, but they just beat, you know, the OC in Saudi Arabia. So who knows if that means that some of these guys are possibly on the upswing. I mean, I don't see them taking away a title from Seth or the Usos at this point or Roman Reigns, obviously. So... I don't know about anyone else getting a title anytime soon in Judgment Day, but if you did it to Rhea, and, you know, then who knows? But I don't really see it happening, but at least she's getting involved in uh, her own matches. Yeah, and um, yeah, who knows? Maybe you get a... Oh, God, I don't even want to mention this, because, you know, I, we swear people listen to this show in the past, a, a live sex celebration between Dom and Rhea on Raw one of these nights. You never know with what Triple H has in charge going forward, what we could see there. But, I mean, Rhea Ripley has shown, as he said, we, we always question when it first started as the leader of who's the leader of Judgment Day, and then I forgot, I think it might have been even you, Chairman, that said it could just be, you know, Rhea Ripley. She's the one kind of acting like, and I seem like that's kind of right at this point, where she's the one that seems like she's kind of in charge here yeah Finn Balor may do all of the talking but it seems like it's Rhea who kind of has taken the lead as far as this whole cast of characters goes um so that's pretty much everything as far as relevant news as we said next week we'll kind of be focused on AEW while we preview full of gear so the second half of this show is going to be dedicated to, man, it's just, I cannot believe it's been 10 years since The Shield made their debut at Survivor Series in 2012, November 18th. So still technically 10 days away, but we figured we'd spend some time on it on this show rather than doing a 25 years of Kane podcast, which nobody really wants to listen to. Uh, but obviously, you know, The Shield, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, probably the most impactful faction in recent memory at least in wwe uh of course they were brought in as the mercenaries of cm punk and if you remember uh punk originally pitched for the idea for it to be um cassius ono as the one you know chris hero and then but then he settled for roman reigns meaning like you know okay if wwe wants to put their guy in the group it's roman reigns that's fine and here we are 10 years later and we've got Moxley being one of the biggest, if not the biggest star in another promotion, AEW. Roman Reigns going on over uh, a thousand days as WWE Universal Champion. And then you got Seth Rollins, who's had his moments, been a multi-time champion, U.S. champion, as you said now, kind of reinventing his character. Uh, so all three of these guys have definitely made their own separate marks on the business. I think all in the positive, I mean, you know, some of the negative here and there. But I think for the most part, I mean, let's just go. I mean, so, Chairman, were you watching when The Shield made their debut in 2012? I'm trying to remember my timelines here. Yeah, yeah, I was. Um... I got back in like right after Mania that year. So, yeah, I was definitely uh, around for the Shield debut. And I just was totally like involved like the second they broke out. I'm like, this is insane. And then once I found out Seth Rollins is, you know, from Iowa, you know, from Davenport, which is like pretty close to where I live, actually. So 
I kind of got interested because I'm like, okay, there's never been like a wrestler from Iowa at all. So I pretty much got attached to the Shield mainly for that reason from the get-go and haven't looked back since. Yeah, I definitely remember when they debuted. Like, I had heard of, you know, Seth Rollins. I knew him from his days in Ring of Honor. I didn't no idea who Roman Reigns was. I can't remember if I don't think I had heard of um, Dean Ambrose yet. I'm trying to remember if I had uh, if I heard his name before, but I don't think I ever did. Um, so he was pretty much new to me as well. But I mean, the guys made an instant impact. You know, they debut helping out. Um, uh, like I said, the mercenaries for CM Punk, and they just seemed like and were presented like a big deal when they were out there. Like people were anticipating and waiting for them to come out every single you know, like Raw or SmackDown to go, okay, well, what are these guys going to do next? And I it was for that time. I mean, I can't remember the last time I felt like a group as big or as important, or even just an individual as that important as what they're going to do next. Um, what were your thoughts, Cam, when they first debuted? Oh, well, I was covering uh, WWE NXT for our old site, Hitting the Canvas. Uh, oh, memories. When those guys were <laughs> um, setting their, uh, getting ready to debut, uh, Seth Rollins was on NXT t- TV. I remember Roman Reigns' like last gimmick before just not being used and then coming up with the shield, he like wouldn't return phone calls and so he'd like have matches booked, but he wouldn't return anyone's calls to like confirm it. So he would just show up and do a promo and then leave and I'm like, What the fuck kind of gimmick is this? <laughs> we booked you, man, but you didn't call us back. I'm like, Oh, okay, well all right, well I don't re- I don't want to wrestle anyways. I'm like, All right, cool. Um but yeah, I mean, the Shield obviously did a lot for WWE, did a lot for all those guys. They made a lot of money. Um, it's hard to make an argument for who's had a better career. I mean, not much else to say. I think those guys are all very talented, and you know, Moxley's now in AEW and he's doing his thing, and Roman's leading WWE, and Seth had, I think, a Shawn Michaels esque career or you know, type of career where he's been upper mid card in the main event had every title to hold. I mean, I think he's had a really good career. Yeah. I mean, as far as in ring stuff, these guys were great. They always went out there, you know, as a trio, were having good matches, uh, tag team when it was Roman and Seth having tag team matches together. Um, there was just always so much intrigue around the group. I mean, I remember at WrestleMania 29 during the Rock Cena 2, everybody was thinking, oh, man, the Shield's going to get involved in the main event. Everybody's waiting and waiting and waiting. And, of course, we were all disappointed afterwards. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's just these guys, like I said, the impact they made just can't be understated. So as far as a group, I'll pose this question to you, Chairman, first. What was your favorite uh, Shield match as a group? Oh, boy. I got a lot of them, honestly, as far as the group goes. And I'm talking like the original run, not that remake. I, I had no interest in that. Or not the, not the proud dad Kurt Angle moment when he got the team with him? <laughs> nah. I mean, there was, there was a lot of good ones. Um, My consolation prize would have to be their first match when they fought against Daniel Bryan and douchebag Glenn Jacobs and uh, Ryback, you know. Sorry, Cam, right during your 25 anniversary. This is the only match you get. You know, that was a good match. But uh, my favorite match, I think, is when they faced Evolution because, like, that was big. Like, that was, like, big because, like, you know, obviously Triple H, Batista, 
and Randy Orton, you know, Evolution was like, you know, they were the faction. Ric Flair obviously was no Royer near for around this time period, but like, yeah, this was a big deal. Like this match was like, if the Shield actually beat these guys and they did, like that that was something that like told me like, okay, these guys are legitimate main event players. I mean, clearly I had no idea where things were gonna go all these years later. And the only other thing I want to say about you know the Great Shield Evolution is that we got Blutista out of that. So fuck yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned that Team Hell No match between Daniel Bryan, Kane, and Ryback. That match was just great. I remember watching that match live when it was happening and going, I can't believe these guys are doing this. I mean, they pull out. There's that famous picture when uh, Roman and Dean are pulling Seth out. Of, I mean, we're going to be going back and forth between calling them Dean and Moxley on this show, so get ready for that, folks. Uh, but they're pulling Seth out of uh, the pile that I forgot where he was coming from, but uh, he's just got that look on his face like he's completely out of it, and he's just staring into the camera with these glazed eyes eyes glazed over like he's knocked out um so that was good that, that's a, that's my i think probably my favorite match from them and like you said the evolution matches are both there those are both good too but i think the fact that everybody is waiting to see these guys wrestle and then they went out there and delivered that tlc match uh against those three guys and over delivered and pretty much i would say maybe surpassed a lot of people's expectations for me that gives them uh, my vote as their favorite match as far as a group goes. Uh, what about you, Cam? I mean, I think that their debut match was freaking fantastic. I mean, for having Kane and, and Ryback in the same match, and, and they got a fantastic performance. I mean, Daniel Bryan went nuts in that match. Um, I mean, I really like their Wyatt family stuff. I mean, I think they went to the well too many times after the, the initial match. But I think their their first match, I think it was at Elimination Chamber or one of those pay-per-views. Um, I think that match was really great. Um, I mean, I think those guys shine for, what, two, three years, two years solid, just having great matches. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, obviously, you know, once they go through that, once they go through the Evolution uh, feud, we get the... Uh... The breakup, which took place in, what was that, 2015, I believe the year was, with after all of that evolution stuff happened, we had Seth Rollins turn and hit Roman Reigns in the back with a chair, and then joining up with uh, Triple H and Seth Rollins, or Triple H and Kane, excuse me, and uh, Randy Orton to form, like, you know, what was the authority. Uh, So when they broke up, and obviously Seth Rollins turned heel after, of course, that weird storyline, you know, or after the whole thing where it was 2014, by the way, I'm sorry, not 2015. Um, after they're feuding with Evolution this whole time and then Batista quits and then Triple H gets Seth Rollins to join up with them. Uh, over to you, Chairman. I'll ask you this first again. Did you think it was too soon or was it weird that it happened right after the whole Evolution feud that Seth joins with these guys? Or did you think it was, you know, kind of, all right, they've done what they can. I think it's kind of time for them to move on. I mean, I was disappointed when it happened. But, you know, the internet talks. People talk. And, of course, everybody kept guessing. And I think every week it was somebody like, well, this week it was Roman's going to be the one to turn on him. And then the next week it was Dean was going to be the one to turn on him. And then 
you didn't really hear Seth being the one to do it, which is kind of funny. I think Dean was the more logical one that people were kind of guessing. There was some Roman chatter. Seth was the one that never really got mentioned. I mean, some people did, but like it was night and day. Like Dean was the one. Everyone was like, Dean's going to want to be on turn on him. Dean's going to be on the turn on him. Of course, turning on them and joining Evolution, well, I guess I shouldn't say Evolution, the Authority, that was completely wow. Like, that that just blew my mind. Like, even my wife, who barely watches it, but, like, you know, back when we first started dating, that's when this all kind of went down, and she was even shocked by it. So, like, it was, like, a ripple effect. And, you know, obviously, Seth sold out, you know, got his money in the bank, won the championship, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, obviously, it paid off for him. You know, and then we got some memorable matches with, you know, the Shield boys one-on-one and whatnot. But, yeah, that was that was a wild, wild time. And I think, if I remember right, they actually debuted and broke up in the same place in Indianapolis, if I remember right. So, crazy another scenario there as well. Yeah, I remember when Triple H was walking to the ring and talking about there always being a plan B. I was waiting for something, and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And then you saw that little, like, right out of the corner of the camera, you saw Seth kind of take a step back and get ready to deliver that chair shot. And you can hear people in the audience screaming, like, no, no. And then it happens. But, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I feel like I remember correctly that nobody was really expecting Seth to do it. We were kind of even, like, nobody was really expecting an authority thing, too, where, you know, Seth joins up with Triple H. I think everybody was waiting for somebody to turn on that group. But nobody was exactly expecting it to be like, okay. Wow, Seth is like getting a heel push as an authority figure, or like as the top guy in the authority. So I was kind of surprised when it happened. Um, but like I kind of agreed that we're kind of a point now where like, okay, you're kind of running your course a little bit. Like at some point, these guys got to start breaking off for singles titles. Like they had runs as tag titles and U.S. champions and Intercontinental champions. But I think you know every group has to unfortunately get to that breaking point at some point it wasn't nwo levels bad where it was like oh my god get these guys off my tv but i think it was kind of the point where i think the crowd would have loved them but after that evolution program there really was nothing like that immediately jumped out to you that these guys needed to go into uh what about you cam i mean i fully agree i think that they had an amazing run i think they it ran its course pretty much it was time to let these guys do their thing and I think Seth was the shocking one because, you know, Roman stood out as a could be a heel. Dean did a lot of the talking, you know, so Seth was kind of like the workhorse guy and didn't really like, I'm not saying didn't present as much personality, but it, yeah, you, it was, I think it was a good choice to use Seth as the guy that did it because it threw everyone off. He signs up with Triple H. He has his, his hilarious heel run with, uh, with Jamie Noble and, uh, crap, what was the other guy for being his, uh, Mercury, Joy Mercury. Joy Mercury. Yeah. There we go. Hilarious run they had, you know, as J&J security for Seth Rollins. And, I mean, I thought it was great. And, you know, Dean kind of went the, got the shit end of the stick as far as booking goes once these guys dissolved. But, I mean, I thought it was it was time and it was well done. One of the few, few things Vince did right, you know, over the last – 10 years and then he tried to shove Roman down our throats for a few years until we finally accepted him. Yeah. It's amazing how everybody, when Roman broke out from the group, I mean, there were signs that Roman was going to be the person that they really wanted to push. I mean, there was the one survivor series match the one year where, 
Uh, I think Roman was the sole survivor and came back from either three-on-one or four-on-one. I mean, so the signs were there. And then, of course, they had to go and screw it up because, you know, they pushed them again. Almost not as bad as Austin Theory, because at least with Roman, you could see that there was like this guy had star potential. But they've had him win the Rumble instead of uh, Daniel Bryan. So that pretty much left everybody with a bad uh, taste in their mouth and the rocks out there raising Roman's hand like, why? What are we doing here? Why is everybody booing this guy? Uh, Just imagine if they would have done the heel turn before uh, Roman went through all the crap with what he ended up doing. But I think if they had tried that heel turn too early, I don't think it would have worked. I think I think him going through what he did as a babyface kind of helped him out as far as being this unstoppable heel character going forward. Um, I'm still, you know, it kind of does it. I guess I should uh, knowing I'll ask you this cam first, knowing uh, John Moxley, are you surprised that he didn't fit as well on top of the WWE as these other two guys did? Um, I mean, I think it was just Vince is Vince is not realizing what or who John Moxley was. I mean, they changed his name to Dean Ambrose. Names don't really bother me as much, but Mox John Moxley just fits his character more. I mean, remember when he came back from injury <clears throat> and we were like, this is it. They're just going to unleash the John Moxley that we all have watched on YouTube and seen his badass promos and the John Moxley that when he first signed to the WWE, probably not even allowed to do this. Remember, I don't know if you've seen the seen this clip on the internet, but he showed up to WrestleMania. They're doing like a signing and Mick Foley's doing a signing and Moxley walks up to him and cuts that badass promo on him. He's like calling him like a piece of shit and stuff. And I'm like, this guy's been with the WWE for like two months and just like shooting on Mick Foley at WrestleMania. <laughs> like he's trying to get fired already. Um, we thought we were going to see that Moxley. And then we got the Bane stuff and the stinking stuff and all that crap. And still he had enough and he left and, now he's doing his thing in AEW, but I think that's a big miss. I think Vince just didn't get who he was. I mean, I think he obviously gets who Roman is. Uh, I think he got who Seth Rollins was and led him into being a great heel character. I mean, I think that Vince doesn't get much credit for that, but Seth Rollins, you know, was is just like a workhorse. He's a great wrestler. You know, he didn't really have character work, and I think the WWE really helped him with that. Um, but yeah, I think Vince just never got who Moxley was. I think I vaguely remember that whole Mick Foley promo. It sounds familiar, and I'm sure I've seen it before, but I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, yeah, I remember everybody being super hyped for that Ambrose-Brock uh, Lesnar match after he after Brock nixed the Bray Wyatt match, which was the original plan, and it was whatever it was called, the no-holds-barred match, and he had the whole thing with, what was it, Terry Funk giving uh Dean or John Moxley his chainsaw, I think, to go against Brock. And then Brock pretty much nixed every idea that they came up with in that match. And then that was like, okay, well, shit, well, that doesn't happen. And like you said, yeah, Moxley had his reins on top. He had a couple couple W Teller runs, if I'm not mistaken. But even when he was over as a face, I think just he's a guy that not a lot of people got. And the funny thing is, when I, when I have we have wrestling parties and I'm watching wrestling with friends who don't like really normally follow wrestling. He was the guy Moxley Ambrose that a lot of my friends like were drawn to. They were like, this guy seems kind of cool. And like, he had the weird mannerisms down. And like you said, when he did that whole Bane thing, and I think if I'm not mistaken, he got like a shot in his ass to get protected from, from something at whatever it was in that whole feud. That was just bad. And by that point, I think it's one of those things where you could tell he was ready to just tap out and leave the WWE. Uh, what about you, chairman? What are your thoughts? You think uh, as far as Moxley being a, miss 
Oh, definitely. Like when they had that triple threat match at Battleground for some reason, and you know he was the champion. They did the brand split, and like SmackDown, you know, kind of first did that whole thing. Like him and AJ Styles, like you know, they were like the two guys of SmackDown, you know, and that was top notch. Dean Ambrose, and then things just got weird. <laughs> like he had Mitch the Plant when he was feeding with Jericho at one time. And that might have been before he won the title. I don't remember. The timelines get a little messy after all these years. But then it's like, you know, he just goes back to your guys and stuff. Like, the the worst heel run ever. Like, we thought he was going to be, like, crazy psycho Dean Ambrose that we see now in John Moxley and AEW. Instead, we get this wearing this weird brown fur coat that he found in the freaking depot store and freaking the, the Bane mask. I mean, I complained about smells and it was like you knew he was checked out like that dude was so checked out like clearly he's in a better place now i mean he's definitely he's the face of AEW basically now and you know honestly if vince would have stepped away like five years earlier and you know triple h would have unleashed you know the dean ambrose character like they're finally let roman reigns do after all these years because remember roman reigns was pretty much unbearable for how many years of suffering succotash and you know freaking Roman wins, ha, 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 you know, before he finally got to embrace his tribal chief persona. So I was like, if John Moxley, Dean Ambrose would have got to embrace the personality that he wanted to and tell the stories he wanted to tell, he probably never leaves. But, you know, in all things serious, you know, he met his wife, you know, Renee Paquette there, Renee Young. So not all is bad, I guess. Yeah, I guess he did get a few wins there as far as that time goes with his time in WWE. And of course, you know, without his time in the WWE, who knows if he becomes as big of a guy that he is in AEW. I mean, sure, he probably is a good career, but who knows if he becomes as big. And of course, you know, the fuel on the hatred that he has for the WWE kind of, like we said, like kind of gives off and gives into this character here for him that he's got going on now in AEW. And it's all a plus for him. Like I said, he's definitely he's thriving. There's no doubt about it. He's obviously one of our favorite acts in AEW, as we mentioned all the time on uh, on the show. Uh, real quick, let's change it over to Roman Reigns. And I guess I'll ask you, Chairman, this question first. We all knew Roman Reigns was going to be the guy that WWE wanted to push. Did you see him eventually becoming this uber heel, this uber top heel like he is and holding a title for over a thousand days? No, that was definitely not on the cards. Like, I mean, when he, like, came back and became the tribal chief and went, like, full heel, I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. Like, they're finally doing it. He's not this cheesy, force-fed baby face. Like, it was just, you know, fantastic. And, I mean, yeah, we're a thousand days in. This stuff's getting kind of run its course. Like, he's unbeatable. He hasn't been pinned in, like, years. He's holding the one title for over two years now like you just wait to see someone dethrone him and i think the thing that's keeping him in the bloodline obviously entertaining is the same as Zayn, where we talk about highly in the show for weeks now like the stuff of him and sammy's been fantastic you know the usos solo sokoa you know solo and paul Heyman's obviously so it's like sure the roman title reign's getting a little exhausting but you know the sammy stuff is definitely helping keep it relevant, keep it interesting. And yeah, if you look back, you know, I never thought he would have been 
a heel like this level. Like, you know, this is the stuff, stuff that people want to see John Cena do all these years, just turn heel, and it never happened despite John wanting to. So it's kind of neat that Roman got to do this and, you know, embrace it. And, well, really curious to see who is the one to take him down. Yeah, what do you think, Cam? I mean, it's been a historic run. I mean, you're not being very UC right now either, Chairman, with those comments you're making. You're not being very UC, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's been fantastic. I mean, we all, all of us wanted to be Sami Zayn, like, fucking full circle, pro, proper pro wrestling moment. Um, I mean, I hope the title change comes before Mania. I don't want to see, I mean, I get it, man. Like, if Roman's the tribal chief, and I love the whole storyline, and it's been great, and they've added, you know, new characters in, and, you know, I think they've kept it as fresh as they can for a thousand days. It's pretty impressive. Um, that he doesn't need to face the rock for the title. It doesn't need to happen. He can lose the title and still face the rock in the biggest WrestleMania main event of all time. And, you know, and it still means something and still headline the second night or whatever night it headlines, um, without it being for the titles and God, will we come full circle if, if fucking Sami Zayn wins something, I don't know, figure out a way to get the title on Sami Zayn. Everyone will lose their shit. It'll do good business for everyone involved. And, I mean, it won't happen, but it, we will just love it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever saw Roman Reigns getting to this point for the simple fact of, I mean, when was the last time we had somebody that had a championship reign this long? I mean, obviously, we had 434 days with CM Punk. But, I mean, I don't think anybody would have predicted something like this over 1,000 days as champion. Now he's holding, walking around with both titles. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody in their right mind saw something like that coming. Um, so I don't even think I saw him becoming like this huge. I mean, he could be a top star, but I mean, I, I mean, God, I would make the argument that I don't even know if you could say that John Cena was treated as, as highly as Roman Reigns was these last couple of years. Uh, it's definitely, um, something to talk about. So, of course, these guys all have their own singles matches, have gone on to have their own uh, singles careers. So I'll ask you, uh, Chairman, first here, going through each guy's matches, what do you think is their best singles match for each of them? Now, of course, I say singles match, but it could also be like a triple threat match, a fatal four-way match, whatever you want to say. But for Roman, Dean, slash John, and then Seth, what do you think their best matches each are from their post-Shield careers? I know that's a lot to take in there, but... Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for, like, a half half credit, you know, WrestleMania 31 when Seth cashed in Money in the Bank on Roman and Brock Lesnar match, I mean, that's the coolest shield post-shield moment ever between those guys because it happened on my birthday, so that, that was just even more cooler. Nice. But um, as far as, like, Seth Rollins match, I mean, we, we talk about this match quite a bit on the show. Uh, the triple threat with uh, Lesnar again, and then this time with Cena at the Royal Rumble. Uh, shit, I don't remember what year it was. 2015. I mean, I mean that we talk about this match all the time when Royal Rumble season comes up. As far as like title matches go, triple threats go. I mean, that match was just amazing. I need to go back and actually rewatch that match one of these days because that's how good it was. Um, let's see here. It's hard to really think of a John Moxley Dean Ambrose match for WWE because like I feel like all of his best work is like after he left because oh yeah those can count too as far as i'm concerned yeah like it's just like 
I mean, trying to think of like anything WWE related. I mean, oh boy, I'm trying to think of like any like single matches. I mean, I'd probably go back to this AJ Styles stuff. I mean, back when SmackDown, you know, the brand split all started. I mean, that feud was great. James Ellsworth didn't have a chin. I mean, you know, I'd probably say that was probably, you know, some of the good, good best matches they've had. Um, Roman Reigns' best match. Oof. I don't know, man. <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, what match would I put as the best Roman Reigns match? I mean, I mean, it definitely would probably be something in the Tribal Chief era, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, the... yeah, that's where my list is coming from. I don't can't think of anything before that. Yeah, so I mean, probably say the Daniel Bryan Edge Mania match. I mean, for me, I mean, <laughs> that was pretty good. I mean, especially when he survived that too, it was a big surprise. I mean, that kind of just legitimatized what was going to be a long and successful title reign. But, I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, good matches of Roman since he became the tribal chief and, that's you know, the title reign. I mean, every match is elevated. I mean, the John Cena match, you know, from a couple summer slams ago, that was big, you know. And, I mean, Styles, Lesnar, Cesaro, I mean, KO, the list goes on. I mean, they've all been pretty, pretty solid. And it's like you always want them to go down. Yeah, I mean that this whole tribal chief run, no matter how much people are saying it's been going on too long, and you know you can make the arguments there that it has been going on pretty long. Um, you just the matches that he continues to churn out. I mean, his match with uh, Daniel Bryan on the SmackDown, where it was the loser leaves SmackDown, which ended up being Daniel Bryan's last match in WWE, uh, I thought was probably close to the top of my list for me. Is probably number one. I mean, like you mentioned, there's a Cesaro match there. I mean, the Drew match at Clash Clash of the Castle was awesome. So you have that to look at, too, right there. Um, but I would probably put that Daniel Bryan match on SmackDown where, you know, like we said, when Daniel Bryan lost, he was gone. So that's probably my number one for um, for Roman Reigns. Um, I mean, as far as Moxley goes, you've got the Bryan Danielson interim title match. Uh, you've got, this, you know, the Chris Jericho match from AEW. I'm trying to go through. I'm going through some of John. I mean, definitely not the, uh, what was it? The hell in a cell match between, uh, with Bray or was it Seth and Bray and the Bray Wyatt hologram appeared and the TV exploded on him. Definitely, uh, not that match. I'm just going through some of Dean Ambrose's WWE stuff, his single stuff. And man, nothing really, like you said, Sherman, the AJ Styles stuff is there. And that's about it. So that's why his definitely comes from uh, AEW, I, I would agree. Probably have to go with the Danielson match there. Um, and then for Seth Rollins, you said you brought up the Royal Rumble match. I mean, I almost might have to go with his Cody WrestleMania match. That match was awesome. Uh, I kind of think it got Seth Rollins out of a little bit of a rut where his character was struggling a little bit and then Cody comes in and they kind of both elevated each other's game where, you know, obviously they had the three-match feud and Cody won all of them, but I think that kind of elevated Seth back up in the eyes of some people and brought him back to this kind of top spot where he is right now, even though he's just got the U.S. title. But I think I might have to go with the Cody match there uh, for me personally as far, especially because of what have you done for me lately matches right there in your head. Um, so those would probably be my three. What about you, Cam?
I think John Moxley's best match in the WWE is with Kevin Owens at uh, Royal Rumble 2016, 15-16, an Intercontinental title match, I believe. I think they had a fantastic match, and that was Kevin Owens, you know, finding his way in the WWE. I think those guys had a really killer match. It's hard to find a good Dean Ambrose match because, like I said, once the Shield dissolved, the dude, I mean, yeah, he was world champion, and him and Seth Rollins had a really good uh, match on Raw for the WWE title when I went to a Raw in Vegas. I can't remember what year it was, but they had a great match, but he really wasn't booked very well. Um, Seth's best matches in WWE, I mean, there's a freaking shitload of them. I mean, him and AJ Styles had great matches. Uh, WrestleMania 36, when Cesaro and Seth Rollins were floating and booking purgatory in the WWE, they had a fantastic match when, you know, still when WrestleMania was one day and it was like nine hours long and it got lost in the shuffle probably fourth out of 22 matches um obviously his cash in at wrestlemania 31 was fantastic you can't really recreate that moment ever again i mean it's going to take triple h some some great booking to try to re recapture that magic um i mean as far as roman i mean they had that fatal four-way with him brock samoa joe and was it braun Strowman? they had a great yeah, match. yeah i think it was yep they had a great match. I mean, I think Roman found his way. You know, it took a little bit for him when he was a single star. I mean, he had a lot of pressure. He kept the Shield's music. You know, he kept the Shield's gear for a long time. They put a lot of pressure on him to succeed when he didn't have the wrestling experience that, that Ambrose and Rollins had. So he had a lot of pressure. Um, and, you know, he eventually found his way. I mean, remember when the rock tried to put him over at after that royal rumble and everyone was booing the rock and the rock's like dude what the fuck i don't get booze like i didn't come back for this crap um but i mean he had i mean the match with drew mcintyre at clash of the castle was fantastic i mean i think roman's definitely found his way here in the last four or five years all right last question before we sign off here tonight uh i'll end it with you chairman as i've been starting with you here so your first the last question Will we ever see one more Shield match in any promotion? I don't think so. I think John Moxley's return is probably not happening. Like, I just, I mean, I think he's having AW, and, you know, I mean, if Vince gone, never say never, but I think it just, I don't see it. I don't see it. What do you think, Cam? I mean, I could definitely see one more shield bump when they put the shield in the Hall of Fame. I'm sure Moxie will come back from that. Um, I mean, I kind of the, the wild card here is, is what happens with AEW. I mean, is Tony Khan in this for the long run? Like, I mean, Moxley's probably, well, I mean, guessing late 30s. You know, maybe I'd say mid to late 30s. So he's still of relatively young age for wrestling and. I mean, I could definitely see a scenario five years from now where, you know, he wants to start retiring and his kids are getting older and he wants to have another kid maybe where he comes back, you know, like a lot of people do for that for that run, you know, come back for a nice solid year run or whatever. Milk as much money as you can and, you know, go into the Hall of Fame and retire. I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, I'm going to lean no to, I think, I agree with what Chairman said, like, I could see it where they induct the Shield, and then, like, the next night on Raw, they take out, if there's another tag team that's around at the time, or another, like, singles guy, they take him out. 
um, you get like that one spot in. But as far as a match go, I think yeah, Moxley, I think it's going to be end up one of those stubborn guys where I don't think you see him back. Of course, you know, we could say the same thing about CM Punk. Who knows? But I would have to lead with the uh, the no as far as I'm concerned. And that is our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed our little 10 years of the Shield talk there. And we will be back, as I said, next week to talk AEW and preview Full Gear taking place next Saturday. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. signing off. And we will talk to you guys then.